to you, EBO. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Fawn Riggin, Real Talk with Riggin. She's an Esquire and founder of the Telios Law Firm. Teresa Lynn, I believe, Sidebotham. She's joining me on the live line. Teresa, did I get that last name right? You did. Thank awesome. You. Thank you. Okay, so there is this bill, um, Bill 7, where we ask the question, are parental rights a distraction for professional educators? When we say that, it makes me wonder if that means the educators think parents should butt out. You do kind of wonder about that. Uh, they, it's a distraction for them to have to let parents know what's going on. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, well, for me, that, that's a hell no. I, I'm just going there. Um, if there's going to be something taught in school that is outside of reading, writing, and arithmetic, I want to know about it. And if they have so much material that they're worried might fall into the sexually explicit category that's actually going to take a lot of their time and be a distraction for them, that's a little concerning because we're not sending our kids to school to get sexually explicit material. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I don't I don't even allow it in my home. So I don't know why I would want it on his, their desk. And I'm sure there's things that you would like to teach your own children or the children you're responsible for that you don't really want some educator teaching them. Yeah. Especially people who are confused about what the word sexually explicit actually mean. Mhm. And and that might not fall into my religious background or guidelines. There's exactly. All right, so what's going on in Pennsylvania with Senate Bill 7? So this bill is a, a really terrific effort to make sure that parents actually can see, know about what their kids are going to be taught, and they can choose to opt into it. So unfortunately, in, in a lot of different states, what's happening is educators are deciding what to teach children they're saying, well, at most you can opt out, but we're going to make it really difficult for you to opt out. Uh, for one thing, we're going to make it difficult by not telling you what's going on. And so this bill would would reverse that and would really support parents' constitutional rights to direct their own kids' education. So that the educators would have to identify the sexually explicit content wherever that falls in school curriculum and materials and books. And then there would be an opt-in policy where parents can find out about the content, they can look at the book titles, and they can say, you know, yes, Susie can see this, or no, Susie can't see this. She's not developmentally mature enough to be looking at this kind of material. Well, and what I liked about when I was reading up on this is that if they're going to offer an opportunity for your child to have the same material without the explicit information, why is that not what we're doing just anyway. Yeah, exactly. So they're they're worried about, well, they can't teach good touch, bad touch, for instance. Well, I've taught good touch, bad touch to my own kids, and we work them out with the grandkids. You don't have to be sexually explicit to teach good touch, bad touch. So yeah. that's a little concerning that they're worried about that. Yeah, you name the people who are allowed to see a boo-boo in that area who are just there to help you. Everybody else, hands off. Hey, you just did that without being sexually explicit. Yep, isn't that great? Isn't it funny how I just did that? That's exactly what needs to be taught, and they need to be taught that good adults don't ask children to help find puppies and kitties or need help from them unless it's Nana trying to get groceries in the house. That's different. 
And the, the thing that educators are not always acknowledging is that the sexually explicit content really harms kids, giving mm-hmm. kids more information than they're mature enough to handle. Um, it softens them up for grooming by people who may want to harm them, adult offenders. But unfortunately, a, a lot of the child-on-child abuse, and believe me, there is a child-on-child sexual abuse is rampant right now. Mm-hmm. And an awful lot of that is caused by children being harmed by being exposed to the material that gives them ideas that are way, way too mature for them. Um, And even teenagers are harmed because teenagers that get exposed to sexually explicit material are more likely to have sex. They're more likely to have risky sex. They're more likely to engage in sex that objectifies women or harms other kids. You know, the, the list just goes on. And so educators don't have any business providing this material to kids. And I think it's great if parents could have an opt-in. Yeah. I, uh, the, let's throw in their gender dysphoria because that needs to be talked about. That, I don't want them learning about that because they, they probably wouldn't understand that it was a thing and then decide to try it because it's cliche or trendy. Well, and of course, the problem there is ideology, too. So the, the parents might see... You know, you use the word gender dysphoria, which implies that the child is in distress, that they're confused, they're having, you know, maybe a mental health concern. But that might not be the educator's perspective. Somebody might be saying, let's embrace this. This is a good thing. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of different ways to approach this, but parents need to know and have some control over what their kids are getting exposed to. And and also parents need to be able to make choices. Like the, you know, the word out of Finland right now from the people actually running the transgender clinics is, you know, tons of concern about whether this is really helping kids or harming kids. So it's certainly not clear-cut enough that educators who are not medical professionals should be making decisions about our kids and grandkids and what they get exposed to on that. Period. And that that's just an exclamation point right there because if that is happening with your child, you know, it, it's so trendy right now that we have some parents pushing the kids to make that decision because we're a bunch of attention whore people and I cannot stand it. But if your child is having those thoughts, then perhaps you sit down with the child and talk about the long-term ramifications and say, maybe wait until you're a little more mature and you're not so impulsive, where you can make those decisions when you're ready to, not just because it's cool. And with kids who are struggling with these issues, really high frequency, and then this is coming out of the you know the medical professionals who treated it, really high frequency of kids on the autism spectrum, really high frequency of kids who have other mental health issues. And so the parents are the appropriate people to make exactly. sure that they're getting help on these other issues. And who knows, in the meantime, that might resolve the gender dysphoria. But untrained professionals should not be diagnosing or providing any type of care to kids or even so information the parents I don't, or, I don't, yeah nothing they shouldn't be giving them information it, it, it the thing for me is if my child is feeling that sort of way i'm probably going to know if i have any sort of relationship with my child or grandchild at all i'm probably going to figure that out on my own and notice it but we saw an uptick in all of this teresa 
when they were locked up for COVID and they weren't going to school and all they had to do was to learn online and all of the pop-up windows and ads and, and the things that they were seeing led them to think that everyone was doing this. And so we saw the percentages just fly out the window. I mean, it, it was incredible how fast those numbers went up. So that's very concerning to me as well, because even if they're not in the classroom and present, there's still somebody leading them that is not the parent. That is concerning. And, you know, if this bill passes, that would be terrific. Um, But if parents are in a school system where they feel like they can't trust the school in terms of what they're doing to educate the kids, you know, then maybe it's time to vote with their feet and get a different type of schooling. I know homeschooling's on the rise, Christian schools are on the rise, and and the, you have the added benefit, too, that these other forms of schooling may actually educate your children. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> Get them prepared for an actual career. You know, what did the Pennsylvania School Association say about this, or State Education Association? I, I guess they're mad, right? Well, this, this goes back to the, the language about, you know, one, this is going to be distracting for us. It's going to take a lot of our time and effort to uh, identify all of these materials. And, wow. you know, that just raises the question of, wow, how much of this do you actually have? And then, you know, what do you consider a distraction? I would love to know how good their child safeguarding programs are, whether people are getting adequate training on keeping kids safe and mandatory reporting. You know, do they consider that a distraction? And and then they they're then they're saying oh, we don't really understand what sexually explicit means. Oh my God! So Are you kidding me? Who can't identify? You can't explain what sexually explicit means. I would really rather not have them talking to my grandchildren about any sexual topics whatsoever. I mean, that's kind of basic. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit different, but there's a statue of David or, you know, the old Roman statues with boobs and stuff like that. That's a little bit different because art is art. And if you're going into a fine arts program, you're going to run into that. But there's nobody doing explicit things to those statues. They are simply art. But I don't know how they can say... I don't know how to define sexual explicit materials when they're doing their daily lesson plans. It should, there should be highlighted in, in red marker the sexual explicit content that they could skip if, if it's not really part of the lesson. You would think, I mean, you would think a reasonable adult educator could understand that. And, and also you wonder, you know, do educators understand that they need to be teaching kids the core, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, history. I mean, there's just, and what we're seeing with the public school statistics is they're not doing a great job on that. And, and so, yeah, maybe they need to eliminate some of these distractions from the curriculum completely and let mm-hmm. them be handled in other ways. Yeah, let's get back to actually teaching children how to get ready to be architects and police officers and doctors and lawyers and and things that can make them a good income instead of sexual exploitation type crap because we've got enough of that going on everywhere else in life. Let's have school be a place of learning and I already talked to my kids about sexting and and stuff like that. If some parents are not, then I guess that's an individual problem, case by case. 
but it shouldn't be just all for one, one for all across the board for kids. And if you wanted to talk about sexting, you know, in the classroom, it would be pretty easy to do it. It would be along the lines of if you send naked pictures of yourself, that can be spread to a lot of other people. That could lead to lifelong embarrassment for you and a lot of humiliation. Don't do it. In some places, it could even be a crime. I mean, you can have that discussion without getting into details. You know, what I just said, I think, is probably, if some seven-year-old is hearing it, you know, that, that's not going to harm them. No, but that's that's a conversation a parent has with the kids when they hand them the phone. I don't think it belongs in school, but that's just me. Well, and then that's why the opt-in policy. Um, and speaking of the phone, a lot of parents don't realize they can do an awful lot to lock down the phones now. Yeah. You can keep the kids from getting on the Internet. You can have an approved list of who they can call and who they can text. And in this world, parents are going to need to be a lot more proactive than they have been in the past to protect their kids. And they're smarter than we are. That's the problem. Well, (laughs) Teresa Lynn Sodbotham, she is with Telios Law. Where do they go to learn some of the cases you're working on or to get more involved? So I would recommend um, the Evangelical Council for Abuse Prevention lays out a lot of child safety standards. We have an article on there called Handling Child-on-Child Sexual Misconduct, if you ever have any concerns about your kids that way. Telius Teaches does a lot to train ministries and Christian schools and organizations like that around child safeguarding. So parents should make sure their churches, their camps, um, their Christian schools are all up to speed on child safeguarding. So Tellius Law and Tellius Teaches works a lot with that. Yeah, get those resources, the training and solutions that line up with God's calling for ministries and their leaders instead of just what the PSEA wants you to learn. Um, Hopefully this will spread to other states and we'll have some common sense leadership when it comes to what our children are actually being taught. Uh, Teresa, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Uh Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.